to our MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range. And I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so they can make an investment in their business or even for unexpected emergencies. I can't tell you how many times over those 25 plus years that I've had to use my line of credit. Uh, I always made sure I had it in place when I got caught once without having it. Uh, I, I, uh, it freaks you out when you don't have cash on hand to, to, to make payroll or do something. And I tend to be somebody who's prepared. And because of that, my, me and my business partner, we own Financing Solutions. Uh, we really thought there was a better way than to deal with traditional banks. Uh, traditional banks are just rough uh, to deal with. And our, so what we did was we developed a line of credit program that's easy for businesses to get in place. It's inexpensive when used, and it costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan for your business. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Or give us a call at 862-207-4118. If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Just remember, hold on. Okay, sorry, guys. So there was just a technical issue. I don't know what happened. Uh, and uh, if you apply today, we'll even give you a $250 credit on file. Just remember the time to set up a line of credit is when you don't need it so that when you do need it, it is ready to go. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Kyle Ridrick from Win Brands Group. Kyle is the co-founder and CEO of Win Brands Group, a e-commerce holding company that buys and builds category-defining brands. Win Win's uh, enviable Stable of brands includes Homesick, which is scented candles and home fragrances, uh, uh, Kalo, which is silicon wedding rings and accessories, and Gravity, the original weight blanket. Through Win, Kyle is focused on leveraging best-in-class technology partners to scale the most innovative customer-first brands in the world. He has spent nearly a decade honing the art of consumer-focused venture capital and brand building raising millions of dollars and building businesses, responsible for employing hundreds of people in the process. His background includes working side-by-side -side with billionaire serial entrepreneur and branding guru, Jay Christopher Birch, as well as founding multiple best-in-class investments and marketing operations in the U.S. and abroad. Kyle, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Steven, thank you so much. Great to be here. So today's topic, and you know, I get excited when um, when the topics, which, which are usually my guests suggest them and I tweak them, but I get excited when they talk about real world growth or real world experiences of building a company. I don't, I don't get a lot of them. Uh, I mean, I could get every single podcast to be that way and I don't think that's really great, uh, but I, I haven't had one like this in a while where we talk about your growth as a company because I think you learn a lot from experiences than you do from, you know, a consultant talking about, you know, what they're, what they're reading about or whatever, you know, stuff like that. Not that we get that, but, but, you know, today's topic is uh, titled my entrepreneurial journey to founding win a nine figure in revenue company. Um, and so, you know, let, let's 
dive into the really early phases of when, when you first started your, 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 your business, what, what, what was the vision that you kind of had? Sure. So, um, you know, relevant as a lead in uh, prior to win brands, I had co-founded an agency called BVA commerce, uh, back then called BV Excel. And we were one of the first Shopify focused e-commerce partner agencies. So building websites and doing paid marketing for groups like Kylie Cosmetics, MVMT Watches, et cetera. And we built that business up over a period of five years. Um, we ended up selling it to a private equity group. And the focus for Win Brands Group was rather than doing just website creation and paid marketing, could we not create a holding company and a shared team that would do everything that you need to run these businesses, to do the customer service and the product sourcing, everything. And so that's how it started. And we've been at it now for you know several years. Yeah, you know, when I when I read your bio, even before I got on air, you know, when you're an experienced business person or experienced entrepreneur, let's say, um, and I, I'm not, I, I, but just so you know, I hate the word entrepreneur. I hate it. I think it's just, uh, it says, it's, it's like this, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. It's just, probably should just say I'm a business owner. But, um, but I, I, when you're an experienced business owner, and you see other business owners, you can kind of smell and ferret out those who have made it and those who haven't, you know, who are still trying to make it, right? And, you know, and when I read through your stuff, it's a lot less, it's more strategic. It's a lot less working really on the, in the business versus working on the business. And that's really where everybody wants to get to, isn't it? Sure. So this is uh, this is my third startup, let's say. So I've been a you know entrepreneur, as you say, for a while. Uh, the first one was really tough, more of a hustle of sorts that we ended up selling. The second one was a grind. Um, I think we timed the market well. This one is very strategic, you know, set up for purpose and really set out to to be a game changing platform for the ecosystem. And I think you know part of the perspective, and I, I lean a lot on perspective. Um, to your point, I think that matters as far as what you've seen. Um, I worked for, I was really lucky to work for an entrepreneur for almost seven years who was a self-made billionaire, had several businesses and investments himself. Um, so I got to see a lot of that. I got to see businesses that, you know, on paper looked really good, but the fundamentals weren't there. Um, I did get to see some amazing success stories and then a lot of failures. So I had great perspective from that leading into these last two ventures and with Win, you know, what I really focus my time on is meeting with entrepreneurs. And a lot of times it's their first business and they've scaled it to some success. That could be five, 10, 15 million of revenue. Um, and I try to give them my counsel on how I see the world. And maybe, you know, it could be a good fit for them to partner with Win Brands and maybe not. But I think everyone has to go through that journey, you know, themselves. Yeah, the, the the reason why, and I don't mention this very often in the intro, it says uh, when the music comes on, $10 million, is because one of the things I learned is when your company reaches $10 million, and and honestly, it depends on the market you're in, right? What, what you're doing. Sure. You are then able to sell the business, you know, where, where you're at a reasonable multiple, right? So like I found that the magic number of the industries I was getting in involved in, well, at least a couple of them were, were $10 million. That's when people start to say, oh, 
whoa, you got something sellable here, right? Yeah. And you know, uh, I think when you first start, you're thinking, oh, I want to, you know, I want to grow this to 50 million, 100 million. You know, you don't realize that that's starting. You know, you're starting to get into VC money, angel money, all, all this other thing. The 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 businesses that win are going after. Have you? Are they in a certain vertical? So they are. So we kind of look at the world um, through the lens of you know entrepreneurs that are creating product led businesses, which is what we focus on. Zero to five million is kind of that first bucket. Five to twenty five would be the second phase, and then twenty five to let's say a hundred million would be the third phase. So typically, we're finding businesses between that five and twenty five um, in phase two. They've had some success. They had a product that really worked. That's allowed them to separate from the pack and show proof of concept as we look at it. Um, but they run into challenges. You know, it's a very different operation running a business at a scale of twenty million per year of revenue versus five, and it's very different running it at fifty versus twenty. Right. So I think all of these require different skill sets. Sometimes the entrepreneurs are able to transition and continue to build. I was fortunate to partner and, and see many of those at my former agency, BVA Commerce. You know, take an example, the MVMT founders, Jake and Kramer, they started their business at the same time we started the agency, and they were able to scale to that third bucket, you know, getting close to that hundred million of revenue. Um, but that was rare. I mean, we saw a lot of founders who had great products and great concepts, but they were not able to scale to the same extent. And honestly, that was the inspiration in starting Win Brands Group. Could we bring in a team that would allow these founders to take that product to the next level with our support? Now, I assume that what you have is um, you have either angel funding or VC group that is backing you up when you find something of interest. That's right. So I, I started out with, let's say, um, um, insider kind of high net worth uh, friends and family, given my background coming from the, the family office world. Um, we did a few rounds there, and then we just announced um, at the top of this year a institutional funding round led by a group called Orangewood Partners. So we've now raised you know tens of millions of dollars, and that capital gets uh, used by us to continue building that, that incredible uh, shared team that we have, and then going out and partnering with these founders. So most of that goes towards M and A to buy more brands. Was it was it hard was it hard for you to learn? Uh, well, hard's a relatively uh, a challenging word to define, but was it hard for you to want to learn how to uh, know about evaluations, uh, uh, venture capital? You know, like uh, how it all works. Was it hard? Super tough. I mean, I started out like strictly valuations. My first job out of college was working in transactions. So I did M&A transaction. Ah. That's kind of my background, finance and accounting. Um, I then landed at this family office. And, you know, when you think about something like a golf game, right, people talk to me about muscle memory and golf, of which I have none. I'm a terrible golfer. I worked for this guy for so long doing investments that I built up some muscle memory around like what a good deal looks like, what a bad deal looks like. Um, and, you know, as far as raising capital, you know, it really comes down to the industry, right? And we've seen even since founding Win a few years ago, 
um, the interest level from venture in consumer product-led businesses has gone up and down and sideways, right? So you want to be on a wave that's going in the right direction and has a lot of momentum. I think right now, fortunately for us, the consolidation and kind of the holding company model within e-commerce is in a very good view with investors. Um, a few years ago, let's say three, four years ago, the view was much more single asset driven, right? So those things shift over time. And for us, when we ultimately selected, you know, Orangewood Partners to, to help us continue to scale, it was really about the people, you know, finding great partners who you want to be in the room with and you want to grow with. Um, and they're more private equity than venture, but we've also spoken with a lot of different venture groups. Um, you know, some have invested in groups that we've looked at as far as brands. Um, and some are looking at the, the holding company model for their own kind of future investment uh, thesis. So I'll, I'll uh, I usually these shows are more about my guests than me, but I'll tell you if for, for our listeners and for Kyle too, if, if I, if you, if you had asked me 20 years ago, the number one business I probably would not go into, it was finance because I'm not very good at understanding numbers. So I like the space because, you know, the thing with finance and I, and I own two companies in finance, uh, I like the space because, you know, the product never goes out of vogue, right? It, there's always a need for financing. And it just so happens that I found a partner who's great at it. And, um, and I complement that skill in a different way. So, you know, every time you look at say, oh, I'm not going to go in in that industry, you know, there, there's sometimes is a way. So now when you look at the three businesses that you own right now, um, do they play off each other at all? So they do in the sense that, you know, we've built up our infrastructure to have this shared team. The shared team operates similar to an agency, which was my, was my previous business. So we have a, a head of 14 different verticals. One's customer service, one's product sourcing, one is finance, one is legal. So all of this feeds into the brands. Ah. Um, so we built the mothership, call it, to really be agnostic to the category, to the brand, and then what that allows the brands to do is really focus on product, product innovation, community, community building, everything that made them special to start, they can get back to rather than getting bogged down in all the operations. So we're in two vertical categories today. One is home and gifting. The other is sport and outdoor. Um, as you mentioned, we have the homesick, you know, scented candle business in home. We also have the gravity uh, original weighted blanket business in the health and wellness space. Um, on the sports side, we have Kalo that you mentioned, and we actually also just announced an acquisition of a company called Love Your Melon. And Love Your Melon's a leader in outerwear and hats. They've been a tremendous story, huge give back to pediatric cancer, uh, really tremendous founders there that we you know, met, got to know, and came to the conclusion collectively that their brand would fit really well within our model. Yeah, so, so let me test my understanding here. What you did is you took all the operations part of what of running a consumer brands company, the legal, the accounting, 
and you you have that as a shared services across all the companies and allowing the companies to focus on what they really love to do, which is, you know, building consumer brands, selling brands. Is that accurate? That's exactly right. Most of these founders that I meet, <clears throat> they're frustrated that they're spending 90% of their time worried about the 3PL, worried about product sourcing, the shipping, the returns, things that can be handled from a shared team. They want to get back to being creative about the business and about the products. Um, so the only thing I would add to what you said, which is very accurate, is we also run all the revenue channels. So we have an e-commerce vertical team. We have an Amazon vertical team. We have a wholesale team. You know, our brands are now sold nationwide in Walmart and Target and Dick's Sporting Goods and Bloomingdale's. Uh, Amazon has been a big driver for us. So we're truly omni-channel with Shopify being our first focus, but then a really aggressive second focus on Amazon and growing that business and then wholesale retail. So uh, it's a... It's a what well, it's not a unique model though. I mean, I right, I, I don't know. I'm not in that space, but I would assume having shared services uh for uh across the board for multiple uh consumer products companies to say in this case is not a new idea. Is that correct? It's relatively new. Is it really? Wow. Being done huh. this way. I mean, this is if we were trying to be ambitious, we could say this is kind of the PG model for the future of e-commerce. Um, meaning a big holding company with several different brands with some shared infrastructure. We've seen a little bit more of it on the Amazon side, actually, as far as holding companies and, and kind of shared service. Um, we are one of and, and currently the leader on the Shopify side. You know, we believe that the brand itself actually matters a lot. And having a branded product story to get behind helps us grow on Amazon and at wholesale retail. Um, but it's a pretty unique model. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, people thought I was crazy four years ago when I started this. They said, well, why don't you just focus on launching a brand? And my idea or my intent here, my thesis was always the great brands will be there and there'll be some unicorn brands, let's say all birds that go out on their own unilaterally. But there are so many brands that have great products and great business potential that get hamstrung by the operations. So can we not build this great operating team, then go out and plug in some of these brands and, and scale together? I'm, I'm perplexed that people would say it's not a good idea. I mean, it just makes complete sense to me. That's why I said to you, this can't be a new model. It's got to be. It's so obvious that this is needed. I think so. Listen, I think we're still dealing with a nascent category of e-commerce. You know, this is kind of 10 years in. The phase one was the Bonobos. The phase two was the Casper. I think this is really phase three of e-commerce where efficiency does matter. Having a shared team that you can leverage does matter. It's certainly not getting any easier out there on any of these channels. You need a large team to make this work. And that's often the conversation that I have with founders that I meet. And they're at the crossroads. You know, They're doing 25 million of revenue. They have a team of 25 people. They have to scale that team to be 50, 60, 75 people if they want to truly be omni-channel. They can do that on their own and they can raise capital or invest their own capital to do that, or they can partner with someone like us. And that just becomes a personal decision that has positives and negatives. The, the owners who you approach about this idea who say no, why do they say no? <clears throat> yeah, it's usually pretty fast no uh, <laughs> in those cases. 
And the simple answer is they think, they believe rather that they have a lot more growth left unilaterally on their own. So they want to keep scaling it. And that's a, a conversation that I love to have. And I'm a supporter of theirs. And, you know, they, if they want to continue to scale the business for two or five or 10 years, um, you know, I'm the last person that's going to try to steer someone to our model. Uh, for other folks who have seen some growth and some significant scale, but are looking for additional resources, we become a really good fit. So, you know, for every 100 conversation, we end up selecting, let's say, one company that we're interested in. And some of those founders are ready to partner with us and some of them aren't. Yeah, what, what percentage of the time, what do you think the deal flow is like? So you, if you make five, uh, you know what, I'm not going to go there because I think it's kind of private information. So we'll talk about it. Um, how, how, how had you decided uh, what industries to focus in on? What, what, where was that original decision? So it kind of just fell in our lap, to be honest, in the sense that uh, Homesick was our first acquisition. And Homesick came to us actually as an owned and operated business within BuzzFeed. And I had known a guy, Ben Kaufman, who was the original founder of Homesick. He had joined BuzzFeed and, and Homesick had gone with him to BuzzFeed. And we were having lunch and discussed the topic of you know, what I was doing. And he said, look, I got this business homesick that's an absolute home run that I think maybe you would be able to do more with it than what's happening at BuzzFeed. We quickly squared that up. We got a deal done. This was way back in uh, April of 2018. And that was a business, you know, uh, thinking about the concept itself. It is a fragrance and a candle company, but it's built on the back of nostalgia so homesick, so homesick is candles based around states and cities and memories. So it's really a candle that takes you back to a time and a place. It's all about that sense of nostalgia. So we got really excited about the opportunity of selling a scent-based brand online via that nostalgia. That was the first kind of push as far as what folks were looking to buy. Um, so got that deal done. That took us in the home category. We then got a deal done with, uh, with Kalo. Met the founders of Kalo, um, had been at it for roughly 10 years. These are ex-restaurant industry folks who came up with a great concept for this uh, silicone ring and had scaled the business significantly and were looking for a partner to kind of take things to the next level. So those two things worked out. That gave us a basis in those two verticals. Since then, we've been building around that. So we bought Gravity to kind of complement Homesick in the home and gifting space. And then we bought Love Your Melon to complement Kalo in the outdoor category. So, I mean, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, have um, watched uh, Shark Tank, right? Um, tell me how Shark Tank is is not really true to what you're involved with. That's a great question. I think Shark Tank... Is a great show. First of all, I think giving a platform for entrepreneurs to get their products out there is is fantastic. Um, and we've actually looked at several companies that have been on Shark Tank, and you definitely see a lift um, as far as traffic and sales in and around the area. Um, I think where it falls flat is you know the idea of the deal structure 
and kind of how those things end up coming in and then where they end up. Um, you know, for us, we try to partner with these entrepreneurs on a fundamental level. Do we believe in them as humans? Do we believe in the brand holistically? And then can we add value? And I think Shark Tank presents a little bit more like a traditional VC meeting where you have the VCs pitching everything they can do for you, but they're not involved in your business operationally. Um, so, you know, some I'm sure outperform on those expectations and, and others underperform. But for us, it's really about a holistic alignment and operational partnership. What is, what is the, between the first acquisition you did and now the third acquisition you, you've done? What did what did you learn? Let, let, what did you learn uh, about? Well, yeah, that's a good question. So, what did you learn? We've learned a ton. I mean, listen, Homesick when we bought it, um, it came to us with zero employees um, uh, as a carve out of BuzzFeed. You know, Kalo came to us with dozens of employees. Um, different categories, different industries, you know, would this shared operating system and shared team actually work across multiple brands? You know, at the end of the day, what we're doing is one big experiment, right? It really hasn't been done this way before. Um, so we've learned a lot. I think the team, uh, as far as the talent level on the team has, you know, risen dramatically over the last three and four years. So we're super excited and happy about our team today. Um, as this scales up, look, we're in two verticals today. We're in home and gifting and sport and outdoor as one and two. We plan to be in a third this year and then a fourth. And this model really works, you know, for a dozen verticals with dozens of brands feeding into it. So, you know, obviously I'm biased here, but I believe this is the future of what we call D2C e-commerce um, done in a truly omni-channel way. So the... The if the is the ultimate goal, yes, every goal for every business is to sell, right? So the advantage that they would have with win is they could scale, they could focus on what they do well and they like to do. That's number one. Number two is uh they can scale faster. Um those, but when they go to sell, they they're going to have to give a, a larger percentage, the owner, back to win. At but you know if you scale bigger, you'll make you'll be more valuable to somebody else. As as we said in the beginning, as I said in the beginning about the ten now ten million wouldn't be that mark for you guys. But um, but uh, is that accurate to say that's a the formula? It is. I think if, you know, the, one of the first conversations that comes up with these entrepreneurs and founders that we meet is, you know, who are the 10 people that you wish you could hire today that you just haven't had the resources to hire? Because these are a lot of bootstrap businesses. And, you know, it's a head of Amazon, haven't focused enough on Amazon or 3PL shipping's been a nightmare or demand planning. We always have too much inventory. We say, look, understood and agreed. We've had that same experience. We have this team. Here's what that looks like. Here's what that looks like within your business. Then we scale the revenue forward collectively and say, look, if you're a $20 million business today, here's how we feel like you can grow 20% over the next five years with us. And the transactions that we do, you're exactly right. We end up doing majority transactions up front. So 
Um, you know, we will buy a 70, 80, 90% stake in the business up front. And the founders then roll the rest of that with us. And we continue to scale that business with them uh, as partners. So effectively, they get a second bite at the apple. Um, but I can tell you from, you know, from my personal experience, you know, my first exit uh, of any tangible size was when we sold the agency, uh, BVA Commerce. And it was a significant exit for myself and for my family. So I think the ability to take some chips off the table and have a win um, is very meaningful for these founders. And then having a partner who's going to step forward and continue to build the business in the way that you'd wanted it to for legacy purposes is also very important. I've also seen founders who sold to groups that don't really have the same outlook. And sometimes those businesses you know, when you look five years out, uh, they're not the same business. And for us, you know, we really um, plan to continue to scale this platform. This is an evergreen strategy, you know, taking these e-commerce focused businesses and continuing to scale them on an omni-channel basis is not going away anytime soon. So, you know, our biggest value add is both allowing the founders to take some capital off the table up front, but continue to scale the business just like they would have wanted to if they had the team themselves. Um, you know, I was, I, I actually had, I, I was uh, asked to come in as a, as a adjunct professor at a college just to fill in for one day and to lecture on entrepreneurship. And, you know, I, I said to the kids, there's 25 kids in the class. And, and I said, I said, raise your hand. I knew the answer is going to be this way, but raise your hand. If your business plan calls for angel funding or venture capital. and 25 hands went up, right? Like kids, I, none of, I've never taken any money from investors. So it's all been self-funded. And I started my first business with $9,000. So 27 years ago, okay? It, it, kids are not taught nowadays that they can, uh, based on the business idea, self-fund. Sure. Can you, can you self-fund a consumer products business past any sizable level. I think you can. Well, first of all, congrats that you've been able to do that with, with three businesses. Uh, uh, seven, 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 yeah. seven. Yeah. I actually, I always, I was just a side note. I, I say six in the intro and I, I, it, like I've been doing this podcast for four years and like a month ago I was like, is it really six? And I added, I, I, I'm like, no, it's seven, but I never changed it. But go ahead. Uh, it's incredible. I always have the most respect for, for entrepreneurs in general that are able to do that. And the mm -hmm. answer is yes, you can do it. It's very difficult. Um, well, take an example that I used earlier, the MVMT watches, you know, Jake and Kramer, um, they never raised a dollar. That was, you know, all literally they did a, you know, crowdfunded campaign that helped them kind of get, get started. But generally speaking, it was a product that worked. Um, they took those profits, they reinvested back in the business. Um, it's certainly not an easy path, but I would say, you know, 75% plus of the businesses that we're seeing today are still self-funded businesses. It's entrepreneurs wow. who did not have a network or not kind of, you know, tied into VC or PE. Um, they got out there, they kind of, you know, made $1 equal five as you need to in those early days. Um, and they built a nice business and they're kind of now getting to the point where they want to decide 
how do we take things to the next level? But you can do it. I think it takes really efficient um, marketing, which has gotten tougher in the last several years. I think it was easier five or six years ago to market on Facebook with a good product and have that be an efficient you know, marketing spend. Uh, much different today than it was then. Um, but you can. We, we still see it a lot. All right, so I'm going to do something different here. I don't know if my mind is going to work qu quick enough. I'm going to do some rapid fire questions that are uh, so that are just uh, they're on my mind. So we'll see if I, I usually can think of three fast ones, but I've never done this before. Um, how many hours a week do you put into your job now? You'd have to ask my wife that question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, listen, I. I've always been a little bit of a, of an overworker, um, you know, for better, or for worse. I think part of that was when I worked for that family office, um, we were just on all the time. So it was busy, busy, busy. So I would say for me, an average week is an 80 hour week. Um, I say that with the context that I really enjoy what I'm doing and anytime that I'm spending with these founders and scaling these businesses, I really enjoy. So I don't look at it as kind of work life balance. It's all the same thing. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of hours that go into it. Uh, what do you, uh, how have you changed uh, the way you are now than when you first started your career? Listen, I think everything literally in life is perspective. And I just have so much more perspective now than when I started. I had an ambition. I knew I was going to go out and, you know, try to, scale some businesses. I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I had my first startup uh, that was called Postgrad Apartments that we were doing uh, leads for real estate and effectively selling them to, to brokerage firms of folks coming out of university and heading into cities. Um, then did the agency. The agency was a more significant startup that we scaled you know, to 100 plus employees and now win. Um, and now that I have the perspective that I do, having gone through that journey, when I sit down with founders, I just try to be as honest and direct as I can about their path. And because I see them in some cases, me 10 years ago, right? And they're go, 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 and they're ambitious. Um, so, so that's really for me, now that I've gone through the battles, I see it a little bit more clearly. Um, and I also see how many more battles I have ahead. Right. When is where it is. We're going to continue to scale. Um, but I think perspective is really everything. And that's how I've grown as far as where I sit now. What are you not good at? Like, get, uh, you know, that's not a God given gift, so to speak. You're like, oh, I'm just not really good at this. What, what is it? And don't you can pick one. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say our, our shared team, there's 14 leads. Um, they're all much better at what they do than I'll ever be. Um, I would say getting into things that are very, um, you know, focused data, uh, things like demand planning when you're looking at Excel spreadsheets, even though, by the way, that's where I started my career. So I should be better at it. Um, I'm really not good. My, my attention to detail and my, my focus, uh, is not there anymore. So I'm, I'm not great there. And what are you great at? What, what is a natural skill? You just, you just have it. Honestly, I think, and again, this comes out of experience um, as well as maybe naturally, but um, picking brands that really matter. You know, I worked for a guy for seven years who had started a couple billion dollar businesses and had really good instinct. And I think working so closely with him for so long, you know, you built up that muscle memory of 
does this brand really have the it factor and can it continue to have that over the next decade? Um, so that's really what I focus most of my time on is making sure that the brands that we're investing our time and resources in are going to be around for the longer term. Do you find that that uh, instinct um, can cloud your judgment uh, when you do it, getting involved deeper and deeper into a deal? Um, you know, your, your, your initial reaction is like, oh, this is a home run. This is really great. And so you, then you, you know, then you carry that same intuition throughout the due diligence process. And then it gets harder and harder for you to pull out of it because you had that intuition to begin with. Is, have you found that? That's a great question. I think we were also very um, disciplined from a platform perspective. And we try to set those boundaries up front with those with the founders. Um, and we say, look, <clears throat> if you were to run a deal process today, <clears throat> it's very possible that you may find a partner that's going to pay more than we will, let's say. Right. Um, and we're clear about that up front. But we set the expectation of exactly what we can do, how different our model is and how we can scale the business operationally as their partners. Um, so we haven't had any experiences where we've gotten to kind of the finish line and there's been, you know, a retrade or an issue that we've had to manage through. It's been pretty clear expectation setting up front. What are you reading now? And I know, of course, you're listening to the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. So, but, uh, what are you, what are you reading now or listening to now that you think, uh, other entrepreneurs should take a look at? One of my favorite books of all time is called Power Versus Force. And I think it's such a profound book in the sense that you kind of know it instinctually if you're trying to force something versus going with the power of where things feel like they should be going, right? And I think that also holds true to, you know, these businesses and these processes. If it feels like the right time to partner with someone like us, it probably is. And if it doesn't, it probably isn't, right? And I think you have to let your gut guide you on that. Um, but you know, I think that's that's something I just read a book. I was on a plane last night. Um, I read a book called uh, The Shortness of Life by Seneca and kind of gets you back to this is more of a you know phil philosophical, um, you know, stoic mentality, but spending your time wisely. Right. And these folks that are that are running these businesses, um, do you enjoy passionately what you're doing or not? And hopefully you do. But really focusing your time there. Um, as far as what I'm listening to, I listen to a tremendous amount of podcasts, um, you know, listen to, to some of your work leading up to this, which I enjoyed. Uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, the Tim Ferriss's of the world, um, really digging in on kind of interesting biohacking. I do a daily sauna, cold plunge. I get a little bit down the rabbit hole on that, which, which helps us is also on business, you know, in a, in a brand such as Gravity that we own. You know, we're pushing deeper into the uh, health and wellness space. So doing some of that, you know, DD myself personally, I guess. Hmm. If How does your wife feel about the time that you spend with the family versus the business? I was worried where you were taking that question, Stephen. But I'll... <laughs> well, I heard you yell at her this morning because, because she, the dog was barking. So, you know, no, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. But Yeah, we almost had a, a dog audio issue there that my yeah. wife uh, uh, luckily managed for us. Um, 
So and I, it's, not, it's not a personal question, to be honest with you. I think, uh, you know, I, I, the podcast, I actually run two podcasts. One's called the Nonprofit MBA Podcast and the other one's the Entrepreneur MBA Podcast. And um, the, the guy I had for, no, it was for the Entrepreneur MBA Podcast. He was more about, we were talking a lot about uh, how, which I know, the, how your a business can just take over your life. We, we all know that if you're in business, right? So I was just curious to know if that's happened to you or, you know, what would your wife say about it? I think she, she works in more traditional, um, you know, nine to five. So I think the balance of our two work lives, uh, is helpful. We have two young kids. We have two kids now, two boys, uh, under three. Um, but no, she's been super supportive. I think, you know, the excitement I feel for the entrepreneurial journey, um, she feels as well and kind of, you know, joins in with me on. So, you know, obviously there's time that you want to take off and, and unplug. And I do try to do that a couple times a year. Um, but as I said, listen, if you, if you enjoy what you're doing, which I truly do, um, you know, I can be on a call on a Saturday, you know, closing a deal and then turn around and, and be there for the family and have a, a birthday party for my three-year-old. Right. So it's kind of, it's all one in the same and she's bought in and, and along on that journey with me. So I, I, obviously love and, and, and respect and appreciate her for supporting me in that way. If you had a vision as far as where you can see yourself uh, moving forward, I don't mean a short term, long term vision. Um, do you see yourself completely retiring at some point uh, from all businesses? Um, you know, what, where do you see yourself in the long term? Sounds like a question my, my wife might ask, Stephen. But <laughs> she, smart wife. <laughs> uh, listen, I think what we're building at Win is is special, and I think this is really a platform for the very long term. And what I mean by that is now that we've done the hard work of building the operating system and the team, and now that we're going out and and having conversations with these brands. Um, you know, these founders become friends of mine and the idea of bringing them in and being able to help them continue to scale that business. Um, that is not something that I'm looking to get away from in the short, medium, long term. I think this model continues to scale. You know, I've said it on my side and obviously I'm biased, but I do think this is the model that makes sense in this space, frankly. Um, and then separately, you know, I have, um, different, you know, organizations, things that I'm a part of, you know, I joined YPO this past year. So I'm part of YPO Metro New York. I know it well. Yeah. Joined the membership committee there. So try to be very involved. That's also, you know, entrepreneurs that are scaling businesses. So I think as long as you, you know, round out your lifestyle and have enough support from all sides, it, it starts to look a lot more sustainable. Um, and then you don't really have that view of that harsh, you know, retirement and focus. Yeah, just so our listeners know, I've mentioned the EO, which I belong to uh, uh, for 20 years. Um, uh, well, you know, it's a little caveat on that. My my forum group that you put into in the EO group has been together for over 20 years. Um, I think I belong to EO for like seven or eight years. But the two organizations that we just talked about, EO, Entrepreneur Organization, is for uh, for owners that own 100% or at least 51% of their companies. And it's great. It's really great. It's 15,000 members throughout the world. I would highly recommend it. It's really an amazing support group that will help you not just in your business, but in your personal life. 
YPO is called Young Presidents Club, which is kind of a misnomer. Um, it is for you have to own. Is it twenty five percent of the business? So less yeah. about ownership. It's um, ten million in size, right? So each each chapter is different. There's there's international, and then there's chapter by chapter. So YPO Metro New York is actually the the first and the largest um, chapter. So our requirements are a little bit. Um, different than, than international, but generally CEO, president of an organization of a certain size. Uh, size includes employees, includes revenue, includes valuation. So, but to your point, tremendous uh, network, you join a forum, these are, you know, eight or so uh, folks who are your, become your best friends, as I'm sure if you've been in for 20 years. Yep, they have, point. they are. Um, and then additionally, kind of to your point about the wife and the family, um, lots of activities that are family focused. And my wife is actually in a spouse forum as well. So yep. in with other spouses of, of entrepreneurs, um, and it's been just tremendous for us. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm a big believer in um, taking some of the risk off the table. I really believe that organizations that join either EO or YPO have a higher chance of being successful. And I'll tell you the thing that's been fascinating in my group. Uh, I think I, we have nine guys in my group and, and, and the majority of them have all been with us uh, for, for together for over 20 years. It's been fascinating to see people's careers, um, how maybe they sell a business or they close down a business and how you're constantly reinventing yourselves and, you know, we don't talk about business anymore. I mean, we're all super experienced business owners. We don't talk about business at all. Now we just talk about family, you know, and kids and retirement and what that looks like, so to speak, and health issues. And just it's just really amazing you know, the things you learn. But, I, you know, I, I really believe that you you become so much better at running your business because you have this shared support network. I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely. And I think the other thing that's really popped out of it for me is you see businesses that are in very different industries. Let's take in my forum, um, you know, a guy who runs a business that happens to also be a holding company kind of M&A focused, very different space. But the parallels that you can draw from that uh, and the scale difference, you know, that's a several billion dollar business that we're still aspiring to be. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been tremendous. And, you know, both on the family side and just on the professional side, really, really a great um, addition to kind of my my life and, and my purpose. Yeah, uh, just uh, I recognize the name John Simon at all. He uh, used to belong to YPO. He was in our forum group. And then he moved on to YPO because he wanted a bigger uh, size company that he's working with. They recognize real estate. Yeah. I don't think I have. I, is that, I know Simon from a real estate. Um, Properties, right? Yeah. 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 That's not him. Yeah. It's he, he is, uh, you know, pretty big time in New York real estate. Uh, owns a huge hotel, boutique hotel that he built and stuff. It's wild business, the, the real estate market in New York, you know, like, like he owns like 1% of the business, <laughs> you know, it's like kind of scale is completely different, but um, yeah, it's a good guy. Um, a, a last question, I, you know, to, uh, it's not an interesting question, um, I, I think, but uh, what do you, what do you hate doing in your business? 
it's a great question. I think, you know, for us, um, the challenge is being great at all areas of revenue, right? So Shopify is really my background. I've spent the better part of the last you know decade plus focused on Shopify. We were around when they were very early. Um, Amazon has been a new learning for me, and we have some experts that we've brought in that are very focused on that. And then retail, as far as these large retail accounts. So I think the the hardest thing to do with the time constraints that we all have is just to continue to be an expert in all these areas, right? So, um, you know, uh, when you say what's your your least favorite thing, I think that's the most challenging thing to do is just to make sure you stay ahead of it. Um, but luckily for us, we have these folks who that's their that's their number one focus. So if that's my biggest challenge is keeping up with them, then then I'll take it. <laughs> Good for you. All right. Well. Uh, it was a great conversation, a little different than what uh, I usually do. Uh, and uh, I, I learned a lot. Uh, Kyle, you're kind of in a different space than I, I've been, but I see where you're going on it. I, I just can't see how you'll be, uh, how it will work. I, I just, it's going to be a good thing. You're going to learn. I think you're going to learn a lot as you go along, which will really, I'm, I, I honestly, I'm a little bit surprised that you're a little, not a little bit more industry focused. That's the only thing. Now, maybe the smaller deals, you have to be a little bit more wider in your scope to kind of get those deals in play. But, uh, you know, I would think that uh, that's just, I don't know it. I don't know much, much my first reaction is that, uh, is that there's, is there any validity in that? I think for us, the focus is any consumer product business between, let's say, five and 50 million. Yeah. That's a good partnership conversation for us to have. The two verticals we're in today are home and gifting and yep. sport and outdoor. So we continue to compound and grow in those. But we're looking at getting into a third and a fourth vertical. Gotcha. And the good news is, Stephen, the, the platform is built to be vertical agnostic. Yeah. So any business in any product category can benefit from having this shared team. Yeah. So, so keep in mind, I think there is some parallel. So listen, the first company I started was a digital printing company. The second company I started was placed technology consultants in major fortune 500 company. Third business was we placed registered nurses at hospitals throughout the United States on long-term temporary assignments. The, the next business I started was a software as a service business uh, for credentialing. The next business was corporate real estate where we own no, it sounds more prestigious, but 10,000 square foot commercial building. The next is when I started with my partner, Financing Solutions, which provides lines of credit to small businesses. And then, then the, the next business we, we, we do is we buy life insurance policies when people pass away so that uh, people can get money up front instead of having to wait. There's, you know, and what do, what do you know? What do I know about all this stuff? They all have accounts receivable. They all have accounts payable. They all have employee well some more employees than others you know you, running a business is running a business no matter if you're placing nurses or doing financing yeah it's really kind of the same thing and i and i think what that's what you're talking about as well they all have you know shipping issues they all have you know accounting issues right it's kind of the same thing that's exactly right. There's all there, there's areas of our shared team that can solve problems for all these businesses. And then there are synergies, you know, some that are closer together 
we can start to market more closely together as part of the wind family. Others that are further apart, that's more challenging. Um, but there's a lot of synergies and overlays there that we can start to compound over time. Good for you. Well, I'd like to thank so very much Kyle Widrick from Wind Brands Group for coming on to today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please free, feel free to share it with a friend and also give us a review to our, our reviews. I, I, I just happened to look at it recently. I never looked at it and they're all five stars and, and uh, you know, that's kind of nice. And um, I, I love doing them. That's why I do it. And I also, and, and also, you know, consider subscribing on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in financing solutions, creditline.com. Kyle, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Stephen, thank you. Email's best, Kyle, K-Y-L-E at winbg.com, Kyle at winbg.com. And it's K-Y-L-E. So, uh, and if our listeners have any interest in getting any new business ideas, I tweet daily, well, not really daily anymore, every once in a while, uh, about lessons for business owners at S. Halasnik, which is my name, S-H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. And, um, you know, I think the takeaway that I kind of got today that we could all kind of look at is, you know, you, you want to stop thinking like a small business owner and you kind of want to say, you know, how can I, you know, get some scale in this? Um, you know, how can I get out of this day to day grind that I'm in and get above the fray? And, you know, I think Kyle really showed us how he kind of did that. Really, yeah, he's kind of working on his strategic stuff. And I think my guess is 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, Kyle's going to be working on things that I think he really, really loves, which is more strategic end in the relationships and the other stuff he'll be able to backfill with other people. So, you know, it was a great, con uh, great conversation. Listen, the weather's changing. I think the COVID thing is going to be behind us this summer. Everybody try to get outside. There, there's so much value in getting outside and being with nature and, and just really, you know, regrouping a little bit, go for a walk and go do something for yourself. That's what you need to do as an entrepreneur. Take care of yourself first. Everybody have a great day.